0: Hello, everybody. Greetings. Welcome once again to the Long Distance Work Life Podcast, the show for those who are working remotely, working hybrid, working remotely some of the time, just trying to make sense of the way that we work today. My name is Wayne Tremell. I'm your humble servant. We are very excited today. This is a guest episode. I've decided to stop calling the Marisolist episodes uh because people love marissa rightly so and i don't want to diminish expectations we are blessed with another very very charming talented very smart guest madeline perches and we are going to be talking about uh team building and icebreakers and activities and all the stuff that you know makes me a little bit grumpy uh But I understand the importance of it. So we are going to welcome Madeline Purchase to the show. Hi, Madeline.
1: Hey, Wayne. Great to be here.
0: Well, (laughs) in the words of David Letterman, we'll put a stop to that. (laughs) Uh, So welcome. Tell us a little bit about you and the escape game, and then we'll jump into our conversation here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with the escape game. They're a little bit bigger than I am. They are one of the largest privately owned escape room companies in the US. We're currently sitting at 35 physical escape room locations. And if you've never played an escape room before, we're going to lock you in a small room and make you complete puzzles until you get out. It's a lot of fun, despite what it sounds like. Um, We have sort of shifted our business model to include more and more corporate groups, uh, especially since 2020, when there was obviously a huge need for some uh, team building remotely. And we were able to sort of shift some of our games and products to make them work remotely, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, and I am the manager of the sales team for those groups.
0: Well, that's actually was the intriguing thing and in why we were having this conversation, because yeah. I'm familiar with escape rooms. I've never done them, but I get the concept, right? Yeah. And I have friends who, who are addicted to them and other friends who actually I don't know if you call them dungeon masters, but you know, they run- Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, gotcha, yeah.
0: So when I first got the the query about you coming to talk to us, I went, well, that's nice, but you know, a little hard to lock somebody in a room from across the country. So tell me a little bit about the shift because I think a lot of people's business model took (laughs) took a little bit of a beating in 2020. So tell us about that shift to remote, What what we know what inspired it, but what kinds of things did you have to take into account that maybe surprised you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, This is something I really have to commend our C team for, because they they saw it coming down the, the pike and knew very clearly that this was going to impact our business uniquely because, you know, Not only were we affected by shutdowns, but we would have a harder time coming back. The, the games are so tactile. They literally involve, by their nature, people being in small rooms locked in together so they knew we needed an alternative solution. And so the first version was literally sticking a camera on a helmet on somebody's head, putting them in the room, and hopping them on a Zoom call and seeing if it worked. It was very Blair Witch Project at the beginning. It was not the biggest success, but we tinkered and tailored until it became something that has become very accessible for remote teams. And we have, through the use of both a person in the room who's got a camera on their head and some very intense training to not be bopping around like crazy, uh, a digital dashboard on the internet that they can access. It's got an inventory and scans of the room and all sorts of things. We're able to create something that has multiple different points of interactivity. And while no, you're not locked in a room, you do feel very immersed in the experience and really as close to the real thing as we can get you, which is the main goal from our perspective.
0: And what was, what was the reaction from people, when you started telling them, hey, we can do this virtually, what kind of went through people's brains and and what kind of objections did you hear about this?
1: It was very similar to you. There was a lot of skepticism, a lot of, there was both skepticism towards the whole idea of virtual team building, which I think is a whole other matter, but more specifically towards how the heck can you do something so specific like escape rooms virtually Um, And we, we ended up doing a lot of demos, a lot of discounted and free games just to get people in the door, lots of videos to explain and show and say, no, this is viable. It is fun. It's really exciting. And then somewhere around June, July of that year, I think there was sort of a cultural shift where people realized that unfortunately we're not getting out of this anytime soon. We're not going to be able to just get by with our weekly digital happy hours and people were getting pretty sick of the virtual happy hours. So it became clear we need another solution. And so it just really started blowing up at that point because we had proven our track record that it was quality. It was a lot of fun. And then we had also, you know, gotten to um, a place in the culture where people were looking for it.
0: What makes for a good game when you are scattered around Mm -hmm. the world? I mean, how do you know that, yeah, this one works?
1: Great question. Um, You say around the world, doing it for a global team is a specific challenge. So if you're doing something for a global team, you want something where a language barrier is not going to be a big barrier. Most people speak and read English, but you want to make sure that you're not It's very easy to create, I live in America, it's very easy to create a game or an activity that is specific to American culture or even Western culture. And so that's something you have to keep in mind. You want something that's going to be broadly applicable to groups. You You also Let me me
0: stop you there because this is an important thing because we are blind to it. We don't realize the kind of cultural things, whether it's football references or TV commercials or whatever it is what kinds of things do you need to be cognizant of internationally
1: yeah great question um creating something, so there's two versions of it. One is for the group that is very fluent in English, and that's not really the barrier. The barrier is the cultural knowledge, and the other is for the groups that really, if they had their druthers, they would not be doing this in English. They'd be doing this in Spanish or similar. For those groups that are just lacking the cultural knowledge, it can be very insidious and difficult. We created an entire game show product that is a ton of fun, really exciting, really high energy, but the problem is one of the biggest rounds in the game was uh, focused around guessing common idioms and phrases from picture puzzles. And we very quickly realized like the international groups can't do this. Even the groups that are based in England or Ireland or English speaking countries really can't do it because they're all American phrases. And we don't realize it because most of the time we're talking to Americans. And so people know what you mean when you say something's a dime a dozen, but People in uh, Singapore did not. So that was a great example of us learning very quickly, like, oh, it's not as simple as just simple language applicable to groups. You have to really think about what do they know about and what wouldn't they know about and how can you you know, make something that's broadly applicable.
0: That's great. I love flagging that kind of mm-hmm. thing because so often, and it's insidious, it can actually damage teams.
1: Yeah. It, it can, because if you're jumping into a team building, I mean, there is nothing worse, not only than the not being able to participate, but they probably plan this team building because they wanted to bring the global groups groups together. And so there's nothing worse than you can do than having your 10 American participants just steamrolling the others because they can't participate at all. So it it's just, it's a real bummer when that happens. So we really try to focus on ways to keep that from happening and to create products and games and activities that are going to be fun for everybody and won't make anybody feel like they're the odd one out which is actually interestingly enough we don't do any trivia for that reason trivia is very popular and we often have people that will come to us and say oh we want to do a virtual team building we were thinking trivia or something similar trivia is just about the worst thing you can do because it's pretty impossible to pick a category that everybody is going to have some knowledge on inevitably you're going to pick a category and a bunch of people are going to go well i don't watch a lot of tv I can't really play, I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna answer my emails. Cause it's so easy to do if you're doing something virtually to just go, ah, I'm just gonna do my emails instead. We don't want that. Trivia is not a great fit for virtual team building specifically because it's really hard to make it applicable to everybody.
0: So let's just, we, we, so we know what doesn't work. And by yeah. the way, as somebody who, yes, it's been 30 years but I was on Jeopardy and I'm a trivia freak.
1: Oh, my. I mean, I love trivia, yeah. too. I'm a bar trivia yeah. fan, but this. Yeah, specifically- but don't be
0: impressed. You had the face <laughs> everybody has when you say you were on Jeopardy and then you have to explain that you got stomped like a bug and just internationally <laughs> humiliated. So oh, man. That's that's. a But, you know, trivia is kind of the kind of thing that I would go for. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a good idea. So let's. What works and what doesn't work? Like very specifically, prescriptively, what kind of things work? Let's assume a fairly homogenous team.
1: Yeah. Um, Things that work are games that are not going to be too technologically difficult. Um, Because if you're working with a team, a wide variety of folks, a wide variety of ages, a wide variety of positions, even now three years into the pandemic, well, post-pandemic, however you want to put it, we still have people that are not super tech savvy. And so that's part of what makes the virtual escape room so good is that We have the Zoom call. We've got a person in the room. We have this whole digital dashboard that you can get as into or as not into as you want. If you are an engineer and you're super tech savvy, you can have two versions of the dashboard open and be looking at two different things at once and be checking the inventory and checking your list. If you're not tech savvy, you could just open the Zoom call and sit back and not have to click another thing and still participate. So creating an environment where people don't end up feeling stupid because they're not super good with technology is... Prerogative number one. That is a great way to make sure that people feel involved and feel like they're going to have a good time. Number two is competition. People love competition. And I think sometimes people who are planning these events shy away from it because they're like, well, we're doing this to create unity in the team. We don't want to break them into teams and have them compete against each other. But most people are not, you know, drop down, drag out competitive people. They like competition because it makes things interesting. But truthfully, what it's going to do is create a touchstone for people going forward. If you have a group that has never been together in person and they get together, they do a fun competitive game and they're able on their next town hall to go, oh my gosh, did you see Annie? She crushed our group. She was so good at that one round. That was incredible. That's awesome. And people will rib each other and they'll have, you know, their fun little, oh my gosh, team B, you did so terribly, but that's a good thing. That's a great thing. That's giving them something to talk about that's not work. And that is the most important thing when it comes to building culture. So something competitive tends to be really good something that doesn't have super high-tech requirements. And then like we talked about earlier, something that's going to be broadly applicable to global teams, to cl- teams of different ages and cultures. Um, those are going to be the best fit for groups.
0: That, that Those are really, really good guidelines. Tell me a little bit about when you've got, like just physically how it works if you've got people in the office as well as people who are remote. Does it work best when everybody is at their own machine? Does it make sense to have people, you know, gather in the conference room, whatever, Mm -hmm. just logistically, how does that work best?
1: Great question. So I myself, I'm going to go back a bit and then go forward. I myself actually work remotely. I work from home. My headquarters is in Nashville and my team is kind of spread to the wind, but I do occasionally have meetings or team building activities with my group in Nashville. And I tend to find, and I think a lot of other remote workers feel this way, that nothing feels worse than being brought into a call where everybody else is sitting around a conference room table and you're the only one on a screen because inevitably They're going to forget you're there. They're not going to remember to talk to you. You're just going to kind of be shunted off to the sidelines. So my personal view, and this is not always feasible, but I always think if you're doing an event that is hybrid, meaning that you've got some people who are in a physical office and you've got some people that are joining completely remotely, I would prefer everyone to be on their own machine, even if that means they're in the office 10 feet from each other on their own machine because it's leveling the playing field for everybody. It's making those remote workers feel like, OK, if they're coming to my space, we're all playing at the same level. We're all sitting at the table together. This is great. You can do it with people in a conference room. And in fact, we've done that before. I think if you're going to do that, it is better to say, okay, here are my people in person. They're going to play on a team. Here are my remote participants. They're going to play on a team. Because again, what I've found will happen is that if you've got those remote players on a team with people who are literally sitting around a table together, they're going to get forgotten. And that's the last thing that I want to have happen. So, leveling the playing field, trying to get everybody on their own machines. It it may feel silly, because they may be sitting feet from each other in a physical office, but it's going to be better for those remote participants. And truthfully, that's most of the reason we're doing this, is to get those remote participants involved.
0: Well, this is great stuff. And we will have links to the escape game and to Madeline's LinkedIn and all that good stuff on the page. So we will, you know, if you're interested in more details, we can do that. Madeline, what you mentioned your own team mm-hmm. is remote. And I mean, obviously, you guys specialize in team building and we fun. <laughs> so I'm guessing it's not the worst place to work. I hope but not. <laughs> what challenges have you got, even in an environment that you're in where you know people are self-selecting to work at a place like this? Mm-hmm. What are some of the challenges that you face with your team?
1: Yeah, great question. I am lucky that my team is small. Um, It's just me and two other people. So it's a very intimate team, which is great. But there are still definitely challenges that arise. Namely, both of them are most of the time based at our headquarters in Nashville. And I, as their leader, am not with them. I am in a different place, which can be a big challenge because I, as my leader, want to be as present and available for them as possible. And that can sometimes feel difficult when I am hundreds of miles away. Um, now luckily we do sales, which is by its nature, kind of an independent role, but there are definitely times when I want to be available as an asset for them and it's harder to do so. So some things that we have taken on as sort of tactics to make sure that everybody is taken care of. Um, we are religious about our use of Slack teams, Google chat, whatever you use. I make sure that I am as available as I can be to my team whenever I can be, we have a time difference. So I, while I'm not working 24 seven, if my team is online, I at the very least have my Slack open and am aware of it so that if they need me, I am there. I want them to feel as accessible as I would be if I was literally at a desk, right next to them. And of course, that's my perspective as a leader too. I would never want my my team members to feel like they need to be that accessible to me, but I want to be that accessible to them. Um, The other thing that we do is we have a stand up every single day. Some days it is two minutes. We hop on, we say we're busy, we can't do this, we got to go. Some days it's like 45 minutes where 15 minutes of that is for actual work chat and then 30 minutes we just talk. And that to me is just as valuable as the actual down-home work talk because it's about building culture and trust and as a leader, especially in sales, a role that can typically be kind of a little bit, you know, competitive and not trustworthy because you're competing for sales. I don't want it to feel that way. I want them to feel like they trust me. And then the last thing that we do. We will do bigger team building activities when I come into town or sometimes virtually, but we do a monthly lunch. And we actually, I would highly suggest anyone try this because we just started doing it and it is a ton of fun. We'll do a monthly lunch where we each order lunch or go grab it and we'll sit at our desks with our videos on and we'll chat. Um, we started picking it uh, through a spin the wheel thing where everyone puts in three suggestions and we have to spin the wheel to see what everybody gets. And it can be as simple as okay, it landed on Chinese food, that's what we're gonna bet get. Or what happened last week, which is that one of my team members put text your mom what you want for lunch into it, and mom's got to pick what we were gonna get for lunch, which was super funny and super cute, and again just created. That relationship touchstone, remote work is all about creating those opportunities for connection that would happen organically in an office. But I sometimes think that remote working has an advantage in that you are, if you're doing it well, you are focused intentionally on creating those moments rather than just trusting that they're going to happen. Um, So there is a little bit of a superpower in that. But I think think constant connection and constant communication are the keys.
0: Terrific. Thank you so much. Madeline Mm -hmm. Purchase from the escape game. Thank you for joining us. I am going to remove you from our video screen for a moment while I let everybody else know that if you want links to Madeline and her work, they are at longdistanceworklife.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, and I can't believe you didn't, please, please, please like, subscribe, tell your friends, all of that good stuff. Our listenership is growing and not only is it growing, but you're a very engaged, active little audience. We love to hear from you. Uh, So please, uh, you know, roll out to Marissa uh, and myself and reach us on LinkedIn, or you can email us. And Questions, comments, vicious personal attacks, pet peeves that you want us to talk about. Please, please, please stay in touch. We love that. Uh, Of course, if you are thinking about your team, should it be remote? Should it be hybrid? I urge you to check out Kevin Eikenberry in my new book, The Long Distance Team, Designing Your Team for Everyone's Success. You can find the book and uh, downloadable resources and all kinds of great things at longdistanceteambook.com. We will be back next week with Marissa and I think a good pet peeve discussion. I think that's the topic. So come check that out. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Check us out at the Kevin Eikenberry Group. And we look forward to hearing from you soon. Don't let the weasels get you down. Have a great week.